morning. Today I will be reading from 1 John 1, verses 1 through 4. Oh, and my name is Jamie Mays. That which, from, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our own eyes, which we have looked upon and have touched with our hands, concerning the word of life, the life was made manifest, and we have seen it, and testify to it and proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and which was made manifest to us. That's, that which we have seen and heard from him and pro, oh. That's which we have seen and heard and proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Jamie. Um, one other thing I wanted to mention about the announcement you heard concerning uh, the table talks for all of our sisters in the building. Uh, there will be someone out in the lobby uh, selling some of the books. So if you don't have the book and you'd like to be a part of that discussion, you can just uh, go to the table and get a copy for yourself and get more information about uh, what table talks uh, really are. So I hope you take advantage of that. For those of you who are guests this morning, uh, my name is Amari Hill. I'm one of the assistant pastors here. Our pastor, Howard Brown, is in his uh, family. They're still away. Uh, enjoying some much-needed time for rest. And so we, we miss them, but we, we are praying for them and hope that God will continue to renew them, renew their bodies and their souls while they're gone. We, uh, over the summer, myself and Pastor Josh, have been going through a series, a sermon series about community. And that community is a mess, but it is a mess worth making. And it is primarily because, one, we long for it, we need community, we need one another, but also because God designed us for community. Uh, God wants us uh, to lean on each other, to be known and to be cared for by one another uh, so that we reflect him. Uh, God himself is a, we understand to be a communal being within himself, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so we've been exploring different aspects of it, and last week we talked about forgiveness, and before that, we got into vulnerability and some other aspects of community. And as always, whenever you do a sermon series, you only get a chance to kind of scratch the surface on a couple of things. And so a couple of you uh, came to me even last week and uh, had some further comments and questions about forgiveness and healing, which is great. That's what we anticipate, and we want um, for these sermons to spark conversation and to have further dialogue so that we can go a little bit deeper not only in our understanding, but also into our practice. Now, one of the things that we learned as we did a church-wide survey recently for Christ Central is that a lot of people find our church to be a welcoming church. And we say amen. We thank God that people come. And if you're a guest this morning, maybe you felt that already. At least I hope you did. That people welcomed you and they want you to be here and they're glad that you're here and you could have chosen any kind of church to be at this morning, but you chose to be with us this morning, and so they reflected that gratitude um, to you in some way, in their posture, the way that they spoke. But we also heard from that church-wide survey that, man, sometimes community can be a little superficial. You know, like, I can feel welcome, but then I, it's hard to connect with other people, right? And there are various reasons for that. Some of that is because our church is fairly spread out. Um, and what I mean our church being spread out is the people that make up this community live in different parts of Charlotte. And so how do we connect with each other um, when we live in different parts of the city and work in different places, right? So that can be a challenge. 
And there are some other things that make it a little bit harder. And of course, uh, we aspire to be an intercultural community, one that is filled with all kinds of diversity, whether it be ethnically or socioeconomically. And we try to do life with each other and be involved in each other's lives. And, and, uh, but that, that means that we're, we're taking the good and bad. And sometimes that's tough. Right? And then so that it makes it hard to connect. And some people are ready to engage and go a little bit deeper, and others are like, no thanks. Right? Uh, don't don't want to do that. Um, yes, even here in Christ Central, sometimes that happens. And, but we're all on the journey. And so what we're trying to do through this sermon series as well is to help, help you and help us to continue to take the next, to take the next step, to go further, um, because we realize that we do have many rivers across to get to what God has in store for us and what he desires. And so what I want to talk about this morning is hospitality. But not just hospitality in general, but hospitality as it relates to the community. That is the community of God. The one that God has formed through his son, Jesus Christ. And community can mean a number of things to a lot of different people. And, uh, and so, you know, uh, again, we're limiting that to the church in this conversation this morning. But hospitality can also mean a lot of different things to a lot of people. So today, we emphasize welcoming the stranger. And that's nothing new. I think a lot of people think about hospitality. We think about not just welcoming others, but particularly welcoming strangers. And there are industries today that are built on hospitality. Like many of you have to travel for your jobs or right now some of you are visiting Charlotte and so you've depended on someone else's hospitality, right, so that you could be taken care of. And there's a whole industry on that. We, we love the hotels and the resorts and uh, the Airbnbs and VRBOs and things like that. And, you know, we spend a lot of time. I like to spend a lot of time. Just I love the Airbnb app just so I can imagine like different places where I could actually live, you know. It's just kind of weird. You think at somebody else's house. I'm like, I sure would love to live in your house. That would be awesome. Uh, but, and somehow that's now weird. But, um, but in, in any case, like, so there's this whole industry out there, right? And we are grateful for the hospitality and tourism industries because it provides a lot of jobs for people, right? I, in a not paradoxical way, but more in an ironic kind of way, hospitality, the hospitality industry provides a lot of jobs for those who are strangers to our country, right? A lot of immigrants that move to this country end up getting jobs, right? And, and, and working like a lot of long hours in hotels and, and play different places in the hospitality industry in order to provide for the next generation. And so we are grateful for that industry. And if you are part of that, I want to applaud and, and exalt your profession in the presence of God. And so we are thankful. But we're not going to talk about that this morning. And we could also get into personal hospitality, which uh, will be a part of what we'll get into this morning, right? Which is how do you welcome strangers into your home? Now, we won't drill down into the specifics of that. There have been many books that have been written on that. One um, that I could recommend is that uh, The Gospel Has a House Key, uh, which is by uh, Rosaria Butterfield, and uh, it's a really good book. Uh, it was recommended to me by a member of our church. I've enjoyed reading that. Um, or is it gospel as a room key? It was one of the two. And then um, there are many others out there. Making Room is a, a book uh, written by a theologian that I've quoted a few times, Christine Pohl. So they get into specifics, right? What do you do when you have somebody, some welcoming somebody that you literally do not know 
into your home with all their issues and all that sort of stuff? And what if the person is, doesn't have a home, they're homeless, what do you do? And if you have children, uh, you know, how do you practice hospitality? Those are all good questions that I won't get into this morning, but there are resources for you, okay? This morning, what I would like to get into is the character of hospitality, the character of it. Because we do have some confusion as to what we mean by hospitality, we need to be, I think we need to be clear sometimes as to what uh, is prescribed when we go to God's word. What does God expect from us as we practice hospitality? Not just to strangers, like those that we may not know who are just coming through Charlotte, that sort of deal, but as we practice hospitality to one another. What does God expect from us? Because many of us, as we've explored in the past, if we were to use a, a metaphor for life, one metaphor is pilgrimage, right? You've heard this, that as we're going through life, that you know, in some church traditions, they say, though, you know, I'm, I'm just passing through. This world is not my home. Although I, I say yes and no to that. Um, God did make this place for us. And we do expect that when Jesus comes back, that he's going to make the whole world new. So we're not destined for some clouds or something like that. Okay, that's not heaven. Heaven is here, but totally made new. Heaven come down to earth. All right, that's my little, I'm already on the soapbox right now. So that's my soapbox on top of a soapbox, if you will. Uh, so, but we, we do long for home, right? We do long to belong somewhere. We want to settle in and feel like this is our place, and we are welcomed here. And what God is doing for us, even today, is he is inviting us to a welcoming way of life that helps the travelers of life, if you will, to belong. And then really, that's all of us in here. And so God is inviting us to a welcoming way of life that helps those of all of us who are traveling through life to belong. So our, our desire to belong is not something that we should suppress, as some do, and it's not something that you should just follow with reckless abandon, like just trying to belong anywhere just so you can belong. Right? You have to discern like, where, who you're connecting to. Then the Apostle John, this morning in this text, what he does for us is he offers a third way Right? Not, not, just, not saying, like, let me suppress it or let me just go crazy about with it. But he offers us a third way that actually leads to real joy. And that's what I want to explore this morning. How do we come home to God and to one another in the midst of our sometimes crazy and busy lives? Look again at verse 3. The Apostle John says this, That which we have seen and heard... We proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. So, two things I want to explore here. Who is inviting us? Right? Who is inviting us? And to what are we being invited? Right? You receive an invitation, you want to know, who is this from? And what am I being invited to? Right? Who is inviting us, and to what are we being invited? So John 
clearly includes himself among the apostles, which are these, these were particular disciples of Jesus who walked with him during his earthly ministry. And they were chosen by Jesus to establish the church, and this is over 2,000 years ago. And along with the apostles, there are a whole host of people, a whole host of believers who call themselves Christians and gladly associate with people like John. And so the us that he mentions in this text are all official communities of ancient Christians. All communities, everywhere, throughout all time. And people who are part of these communities are people who are not ashamed to be associated with John's way of life and with his message. So keep in mind, though, that fellowship, when we think about this, this word fellowship, as he used here in the New Testament, is not just about getting people together, having some dominoes, playing dominoes, eating pizza, all that kind of stuff, although all that stuff is definitely included and it's good. But like the other apostles, John understands fellowship to be something a little bit deeper. He understands fellowship to mean a common life. So when you have a group of people who, who show that they need each other, right, and, and they work together for a common goal, then you have something that's getting pretty close to what the scriptures mean by fellowship. And this sermon letter, this epistle that John has given to us, which was originally given to early Christian communities, these ancient Christian communities. So John was primarily speaking to Christians, asking them to remain in the group. Stay with us. Belong. You're invited to be here. Keep connected to the church for your sense of belonging. So these are not just a company of Christians, however, that John calls us to. He doesn't just call us to a company of Christians, believers. Verse 3 again. He says, That which we have seen and heard we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us, with the us, and then, and indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Did you get that? John was not just talking about a bunch of church folk gathering together, but he's saying there's a group of people that eat and drink and move with God himself. That's the us that he's calling us to. Come, stay with us, John says. We're, we're not just some people that know how to take care of each other, as, as amazing as that may be, but we belong to God and we live with God. Come and be with us. Stay with us. This is what it means to have Christian fellowship. We're being invited to belong to God and to his people. But what is John's testimony of what he saw and heard have to do with his invitation? How does what he witnessed help us to feel, actually feel like we belong to this God community? To what are we actually being invited? Okay, so that first part, pretty quick. I'm going to take some time to unpack to what we're being invited. Because I believe that we're being invited to be seen, to be heard, and to be touched. So if you're taking notes, these are sort of like subpoints of the second one. We're invited to be, to be seen and heard and touched. Right? Because it, there, there's something, John says, there's something that he heard 
and that he saw and that he touched that makes this kind of community something that he desires and that everyone else should desire. And, it, and it's something that he witnessed that makes that kind of community possible. And that something is mentioned right here in the very first verse. That which was from the beginning, he says, which we have heard, we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. It is the word of life. Now, at first glance, when you look at this, you could think, okay, John's talking about the gospel. The gospel is, is, is a word, that, that the message, the good news of Jesus Christ is synonymous with this term, word of life. And after all, those who believe in the gospel are promised to receive and inherit eternal life, right? So you would think this is what he's talking about. But John says that this life was with the Father and was from the beginning. So he is talking about none other than the word by whom everything visible and invisible was made. As it is written in the first chapter of John's gospel, he says the word was with God and the word was God. All things were made through him and without him was not anything made that was made. The word of life is not just the gospel, but it is our creator himself. See, John says he, he really heard, he really saw and touched the one by whom the universe was spoken into existence, Jesus Christ, God himself in the flesh. So he, he claims that he belongs to a community that belongs to the creator. And, and then notice how personal this relationship is. Right? It, it's one in which our physical senses are involved, one which you can see and hear and touch. We can know God with both our, our bodies and our souls and belong to him spiritually and physically. At the center of this community that we're inviting into is the real person of God. Not a figment, not an impersonal deity, but the infinite personal creator of all things. We long to be and feel welcomed by a lot of things and to feel welcomed by a lot of different people. And we should feel connected to our own families. But some of you maybe feel alienated in your own homes. And we should feel connected and some of us long to belong to that boyfriend or that girlfriend or belong to that crew of really smart people who manage to save poor people, right, from diseases in the Himalayas, and they know how to Instagram about it, you know, it's like, okay, yeah, I really love to be a part of that kind of crew. Or we want to belong to the people who know how to talk politics and play well on the field and maintain a successful business. Like, man, I, I sure would love to be a part of that crew. But in this fellowship that John speaks of, we can belong to our God. And we are actually seen by the creator who longs to know us right? and for us to know him. So we're being invited to be seen by God. But there's something else here, right? We're also invited to be heard by our creator. 
So John, he, he, he claims that he and, and many others, that they, that they got to meet Jesus, right? And they got to know him while he was on earth. And indeed, their fellowship uh, was with God the Son and with God the Father. And that they all, like he, the apostles, and all that were with them, that they all belonged to God, right? And they, they all, all of them belonged uh, to the Lord and at all times and everywhere. But remember... What John said about the word of life, he said the word of life was made manifest. That this means that, that, that Christians not only belong to God, but God belongs to us. What, okay, so let me explain that, what I mean by that. Jesus has always been God, okay? You know, Christians have confessed that for years as part of orthodox beliefs. Right, that Jesus has always been God. There's never a time in which um, the Son of God was not. But he, he also really became a man. And when he did that, he became identified with the rest of us. Right? God was willing to become like us. Now, there's this old TV show. I don't know if it's still on. Uh, this is back when I used to be a big fan of MTV and... I don't know, I haven't watched it in, I don't know, a long time now. But there was a show on MTV called Made. Is that still on? MTV, those of you, you can, it's okay. If you watch MTV, it's fine. You can, right. uh, <laughs> uh, so, it, you know, so there is, uh, they used to have this show called Made. And it was usually younger people who wanted to be like another person for a day. So it might be somebody in their school or it might be someone who was of a particular profession and that sort of deal. There's one episode where this girl, uh, for some reason, she was known as Skunk Girl. And um, not, I can't remember exactly why, and it probably had to, I don't, I don't think it was her hygiene, but I just think it's because you know, people didn't like her. Uh, and sometimes, I think she actually went to school one day just like wearing a skunk costume or something like that just to deal with all the teasing that she experienced. Well, then one day... She, you know, she goes to this program and she's like, I want to be like this popular person that is a part of the theater department. So at the school. And so she gets to do that. She gets to be a part of this play. And, you know, it's a wonderful experience that she has. And, you know, it's, of course, it's a lot of fun because you've got all these cameras there and, you know, MTV provides this big old budget so this stuff can happen, right? So she does this. And then at somewhere toward the end of this reality TV show, she says, she doesn't talk about her peers. She says this curious statement. She says, finally, my dad can be proud of me. Finally, my dad can be proud of me. Some of you know what that's like. Wanting to be made over so that you can belong to someone that, that you long to be connected to. And here it is, when we look at Jesus, we see Jesus being made over like us. God coming down in the flesh saying, I want to be made like them. God becoming human through Jesus Christ. It, it, it lets us know this, that I need not be ashamed of my own weaknesses and my differences because of what God has chosen to do. He is actually proud right now to be called our Father. Right? And 
There are some people who won't let you be a part of their group if your skin is too dark or if your skin is too light. They won't let you in if you're too nerdy or you're into sports. Or they won't let you in if you don't have the right skills when it comes to dating or if you can't afford certain things. But all of these things are a part of our humanity. We don't need to deny them because God made humans after his image. And then he sent his son to be limited and quirky, just like every single one of us. And I recently went through one of these assessment deals. A lot of you know about these things. Like I went through an Enneagram test and some of you know about Myers-Briggs and strength finders and that sort of deal. And my wife knows I, I you know, I like to, it's fun for me sometimes to take these tests, but then I, but I, Really, I go through it all the time because I'm just like, I agonize, like, who am I? You know, just tell me, old tests, you know, uh, who I am. <laughs> and, and, and it, you know, and, and it never works out. Um, and it, sometimes it doesn't work out because I look at these things and I'm like, okay, it's pretty clear where I land on these things. But I don't want to be that. I want to be like that person. You know, the other guy, the other person that's like, that's cool and has all the social capital and all that kind of stuff. And all these insecurities come out when I take these things. And, and it usually takes a while, you know, like to just calm down and say, okay, I need to remember that God affirms me in my humanity. That who I am is the way that God intended. And it's okay. Right? And God affirms you in your humanity. I, I, this morning, maybe some of us need to breathe that in. God affirms you in your humanity. Your creator affirms you. Do you know something of this welcoming life, this kind of community where, where no one has to compete with another person just to exist and they can just be themselves? Do you long for that kind of community? Christ became like one of us. That says that you don't have to stress over how skinny or not skinny you are, what kind of clothes you have or don't have, how you date, who you date or don't date, whether you're a nonprofit or a corporate person, what kind of money your family has or does not have. If God was willing to become weak and not altogether in his humanity, then you have all the dignity in the world just the way you are. You're being invited to be heard. But not just that. Right? You've been invited. You're being invited to be seen and to be heard by God, but also to be touched because there are things in us that must change. Right? It's why Jesus came in the first place. I mean, what I'm talking about is sin, right? Uh-oh, there goes that word, right? I'm talking about sin. You know, you know those desires within us that, that always seem to hurt ourselves and hurt others and dishonor God. Like, there, there are plenty of times when we were kids that we either disobeyed our parents or, or obeyed them so that we could get what we wanted. Like, it was really about us. Right? Oh, we, all of us have either spilled secrets we were supposed to keep or kept secrets that needed to be told. Right? All of us can be very self-serving and self-centered at times, and it ultimately shows that we don't trust God to take care of us. 
We don't always think God has our best interest in heart, and so we dishonor him and hurt others to look after our own interests. But Jesus became as one of us so that he could die in our place. He represents all people, all human beings, when he was crucified. And God put all the punishment that we deserved on the body and the soul of his son, the one by whom the world was spoken into existence. Can you comprehend how amazing that love is? And the, the Apostle Paul, he puts it like this. He says, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus was willing to become like one of us and even die in our place. So we don't have to hide our flaws. We don't have to hide just how flawed we are. And Pastor Josh talked about this a couple of weeks ago when he talked about vulnerability. Right? And we don't need to pretend that we have it all together. Right? I mean, we're being called to stop the show, to take the mask off, and to be authentic in God's presence and allow him to touch us. That touch changes us. It transforms us and it makes us into who God intended for us to be. So we're being called to quit trying to pretend that we've done nothing wrong or that, or that what we do is not so bad, but to just come clean. When you live in community with Jesus, you live with a God who has forgiven you, who can cleanse you and can make your heart more like his. His touch changes us. Think about it. Hey, do you know something of this welcoming life that kind of community where no one has to fake it or hide what they've done wrong? I mean, I mean, some of you may be avoiding each other right now because of something you've done. And you're afraid to admit it. You ever long for a community where it doesn't have to be that way? Jesus suffered God's anger for our foolishness as a real human being. And that says that you don't have to pretend like you pray six times a day and read the Bible before in the first thing in the morning. You just don't have to pretend. Maybe the first thing you do in the morning is, is show up at Krispy Kreme. That's all right. And they got new Krispy Kreme in my neighborhood. I'm pretty excited about that. I don't need to go there. I don't, yeah, I don't. My wife's shaking her head. I don't need to go there. Uh, but you, you don't have to pretend. You don't have to pretend that you don't actually like to overeat or purge or cut yourself or get high, or gossip, or watch movies just because of the nudity, or listen to music with lots of cussing in it, that you like keeping everybody out of your business, exposing too much of your own business, or using your body in any way that you see fit. You don't have to pretend like you've never been tempted by anything. God knows all about the dark stuff in your heart. He knows just how jacked up you are. He knows how messed up I am. And he's willing to walk with us through our mess. In his community, we are seen and we're heard and we're touched. The one who is seen and heard and touched sets us free to experience the same. That God really belongs to us. 
So here's God's goal when it comes to hospitality in his community, that you and I, as finite and sinful as we are, would share in his life and in his mission. Right? God wants you. He wants you. He wants me. We belong here. He wants all of us to live in community with him in the freedom and dignity that comes through Jesus Christ. He wants us to be seen, heard, and touched. And some of you well know that being a Christian isn't always easy, right? So coming into this community and being a part of it and accepting God's hospitality and trying to reflect it is not always easy. Because remember that John, when he wrote these words, he wrote this as a plea to a bunch of Christians. He's writing to other people who are already in. So if if, if a Christian community uh, is, a, is a real thing, it's, it, it actually can happen. And here are people who are actually living with Jesus, right? And, and if all this stuff is really good, if it's so great, then why would we have to ask people not to leave? Why would we have to ask folk not to give up and try something else? Because in this world, we have troubles. Jesus said so himself. In the church, other Christians will hurt us. That's a fact. That's why we talked about forgiveness last week. Okay? Some Christians may never have parents who really care for them. And so this whole idea of coming home and practicing home and hospitality just is completely foreign. It doesn't make sense. Maybe to the mind, but not to the heart. Some Christians may have people who really did care for them, but then they get sick and they die. Those caregivers are gone, and so they want to give up too. In the midst of all this, you may feel like God's hospitality was just a big hoax. Like God brought you into a bad hotel. You may get disappointed with Jesus, and get disappointed with other Christians and decide I'm staying as far away from church people as much as possible. But here again, we must remember that the word of God was made manifest, which means that Jesus experienced real temptation. He experienced loss. Jesus experienced sickness and betrayal and disappointment. He experienced real death, just as we do. So in Jesus, we have a high priest, as, his, as the word says, who sympathizes with our weaknesses. When it gets hard to stay in there and to continue to receive God's hospitality among his people, we remember that it was hard for Jesus too. And we have a high priest who is willing to hear us and to help us, who sympathizes with our weaknesses and who will give us strength to take the next step and to remain. We cannot forget what John says in verse 2 when he says that the life was made manifest and we have seen it and testify to it and proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was made manifest 
to us. Like you, you, you may think there's life somewhere else. Some other force can help you. Some other community can do it. And the truth is there really are some good things that are out there. We don't deny that. But they won't last. It's not eternal. The life that we share in God through Jesus Christ is eternal. Jesus demonstrated that in his resurrection. In his resurrection, we see that the life that he gives absolutely cannot be destroyed. It triumphs even over death itself. And this is what gives us hope. Although we may not feel seen and heard all the time in God's community, even right here in this church, although we may still see darkness in our own hearts and, and feel like the, that we're in a losing battle when it comes to our sin and that we have to remember that our troubles will not always last. What we get a taste of now in Jesus, we will experience every day in the age to come. Even death cannot separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. But there's all that, okay? So I've said a lot of things as to who is it, who invites us right, and what we're being invited to 